I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I wanted to share this story. Though it doesn't involve a sighting, it involves all the other evidence that is difficult to ignore. We've bought land in Washington recently. It'll be about a year before we start building there, but, we visit periodically and I just recently came back from a two-day camping trip on the land. A few months back, we pulled into a dirt road leading onto our property and noticed a perfect pyramid of trees that had been interlocked into a tapestry that simply couldn't have happened by human hands. One reason. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improves. Definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J U V E D E R M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising discoloration or itching there's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities blindness stroke temporary scabs or scarring talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Is that the pyramid like interlocking, which was clearly done with skill, was at least six feet off the ground. We joke that maybe some teenagers could have done it, but I personally really doubted that some kids could climb up the trees, six feet high, and successfully bend tree trunks into an interlocking grid that high up. It would take far too much force and power. I don't even think grown men could get such thick trees to bend in this fashion. The trunks had to have been at least eight to nine inches in diameter, so we're talking strong trees trunks, not bendable baby limbs. Fast forward to the previous weekend, we pulled onto our property late at night after sundown, arriving late on Friday night. Within five minutes of arriving, I heard loud haunting ape-like howls that didn't sound anything like a wolf, bear, or normal animal sounds. I've spent enough time in the woods in my life to know when I'm hearing something that isn't elk, bear, owl, or dog. These howls were human-like, and it was clear that something enormous was sending a message out there. It did it four to five times, then it stopped. We slept the first night without issue. Except for one thing. The very next morning a tree had been bent like a perfect rainbow directly over the trail 10 feet away from our truck. Perfectly going over the trail in an upside down U shape over the road. The second night was the night that was remarkable. Within 15 minutes of hitting the sack in our teardrop trailer, windows were open and I was enjoying the forest breeze. I immediately heard footsteps, distinct human bipedal footsteps walking around the trailer. It moved with a pace that was distinctly two-footed and it was clearly large. Much like a metronome beating. Leaves were all over the ground, which made it easier to hear the pacing footsteps. This went on for at least an hour, then it stopped. I placed my hand in a cup-like position behind my ears to help increase my hearing abilities. I fell asleep for a few hours, then awoke to the same human-like crunching footsteps right outside the trailer. I then heard actual talking from what I believe was a Bigfoot. One might say it was gibberish, but to be honest, it was clear they had an actual language. Somehow, I felt that it was female. The obvious soft vocalization sounded like some sort of affirmation sounding noises. It sounded like words, only, the voice was clearly deep slash resonate, and not the sort of voice a regular human being could emulate due to the depth of the voice. I am sure it wasn't humans pranking us. It spoke softly to another one by using some sort of enunciation, and so, this was no longer just howling, but literally some type of talking. Obviously, it wasn't English. But it was most certainly a human-like vocal tone communicating. Next, I heard the trees begin to bend. If you can imagine a bending noise, sort of like a screeching, pushing, every five seconds. This went on for an hour. Push. Pause. Push. Pause. This pattern of pushing and pausing went on for a long time. And it was directly happening right outside of the teardrop trailer. I knew I was going to wake up to more bending activity. For some reason, I didn't feel scared. I have always been psychic a little when it comes to feeling intentions of humans or animals around me. Something deep inside of me felt that these beings were loving slash kind, 
sort of like protectors of the forest. I listened to them as long as I could until I was just too tired to continue listening to their activities outside of the trailer. I fell asleep again. The following morning there were three more trees perfectly folded slash curved like rainbows slash arches, right over the trail next to our truck. One was directly at the nose of the truck. I've taken photographs and will upload them soon. Somehow, I feel that they were saying welcome. I think they know we purchased the land. Look, if they had wanted to hurt us, they could have. They never touched our stuff, touched the trailer, nor did they attempt to scare us. If anything, it was like they were attempting to not scare us and wanted to be as quiet as possible. I felt that the female was guiding the whole event that night. Can anyone tell me more about the tree bending formations, and if there's any clues as to which formations mean what? My heart tells me that they did this to say hello in a loving slash kind way. It hasn't scared us, and we still plan on building there. I had an idea that if we go camping there again in the fall, I'm going to tie flowers around the trunks that they bend to let them know we accept you and honor you. I refuse to have bad feelings between the Bigfoot and us. I want us to cohabituate on the land peacefully. My first impressions of these beings is that they are not out to hurt anyone, and that they might even be able to communicate with humans if humans would treat them with respect and not try to hunt them down. Clearly, they're going to be more intelligent than regular large apes around the world. They're bipedal and obviously have above average intelligence judging by the fact I heard an actual language coming out of one. A friend and I were driving back to Fairbanks from Anchorage. I was driving her truck a 1980 Dodge D50. These trucks sit very low to the ground. It was late at night, and we were just about to the tourist area of the Denali Park. It wasn't winter yet, just before a corner, my lights hit something sitting on the yellow line in the middle of the road. The lights to this truck were grossly out of adjustment, so they were pointing right at the thing. It was sitting in the middle of the road with its legs pulled up to its chest, and its arms folded over its knees. Its head was between its arms, looking toward the ground it had long, human-like hair. At first I thought it was an orangutan, then I thought to myself, what would an orangutan be doing in the middle of nowhere in Alaska? I've lived here almost all my life and there is no animal like this one. I thought to myself the only way that could have been an orangutan is if there's a circus out here. I knew that was not a possibility in such a remote area. I drove right next to it and I was at its level. If I had been going slow, I could have touched it easily. I was freaked out and thought I must be seeing things, maybe I was tired. My friend saw it too, although neither one of us said a word until we reached the gas station in the town of Healy just past Denali. She said did you see that and I said, I thought I was seeing things. This spooked us so bad we didn't even say anything to each other about it until we were around people. We have talked about this, and still agree that we saw this thing. We have given up on trying to explain it to anyone else, because no one believes it. We both have decided not to bring it up because no one believes it anyway. Why I feel this is so unusual is there is no animal native to Alaska that could resemble this thing in any way. We have bears, moose, caribou, 
porcupine, rabbits act. But none of these animals have knees or long reddish colored hair. I don't know how to explain it, and I've given up trying to because nobody believes it, they think you're joking. I don't want to be harassed by any nuts, I just wanted to share my genuine incident in case others have seen it. I just had to get my steps up for a challenge that we were doing in work. I decided to go walk somewhere nice instead of just doing laps of my estate. It was a nice day so I said I would go for a walk in the woods. What was the worst that could happen? It was going fine then the path leads through two identical trees. I stepped through and put my hands on both trees. People are saying now that this was a mistake. One was really warm and the other was really wet and cold. I walked on and I think I took a left. The main path kind of branched off to the left and it just went nowhere. It went into a really overgrown forest, with really high weeds and plants. I knew it wasn't the path. There were lots of people around. It's a really popular spot so I walked back and I thought that this wasn't the main path and I should have taken the other way. I took the other way and then that similarly went nowhere. I went back to the fork to start over. I went back and I think I tried to go back the way I came. That also leads me nowhere. I walked back up the main path again but it didn't look familiar. It was quite overcast at this point as well. I pulled up Google Maps and I didn't have a signal on my phone at all, which is not unusual for that area. I decided to keep trying paths. There were only three so I thought I'd eventually get somewhere. I kept walking down a path towards a really overgrown area again. At that point then, I heard a really light woman's voice. I don't know how to describe it. It was really high. She was shouting over here. I thought she was probably calling to her kids or something. Then she laughed and it was just when she laughed, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I have a very professional job. I'm not crazy. I'm quite logical but then the call came from the other side of me. I knew something wasn't right. Something was just wrong. My first instinct was to run but I didn't even know where to run. I just remember turning your clothes inside out is supposed to help. So, I just tried that. I felt like it was just metal. I just had to do it. I turned my t-shirt inside out, put it back on. I was hoping nobody was looking at me because it was a really weird thing to do in the middle of a forest. I turned around and walked back and almost immediately came to the two trees again. When I turned around and came back, I came to them quicker than when I had been walking in the opposite direction. I didn't even think. I just wanted to get through. Then I could hear the birds again and people and stuff. I didn't know what had just happened. When I got back to the car, I looked at my steps. The last time I had checked my step counter I had done 8,000 steps or something like that. I had put on an extra 10,000 steps. I didn't come from a family that would have believed in that sort of stuff. Certain thing just stick in your head and that's why I remember the turning the clothes inside out thing. The woman admitted she was terrified when she heard the voice and didn't think the laughter was friendly, I was scared when she laughed. When she laughed, I don't think I've words in the English language for it. I had never heard someone laugh like that. I knew something something was really wrong.
I just got this really bad feeling that things were not going to end well for me if I didn't do something. I wasn't scared until then. When she laughed, I knew something was very wrong. A lot of people have said that it was a stray sod. I always just thought they were nice stories. I love that collectively as a nation we often acknowledge it as a thing. I don't know where all the extra steps on my Fitbit came from. I was surprised by the number of people that it had happened to. We may not believe but we still don't ever want to run the risk. I think I just got unlucky. I've been in those woods before. People were saying that the two trees on the path were a portal. I've no massive opinion but something really weird happened. We do so many things on a daily basis instinctively. There are open fields but every so often there will be a ring of trees in the middle of a field. They will plow around them. Even with our modern farming equipment, they still plow around those trees. I was driving with my wife and two kids in the car through the Perthshire, Scotland countryside. A thing that I presumed was an autumn sycamore type leaf flew across the road and stopped in front of the windscreen. It was then it put up its hands crossed in front of its face which looked panic stricken. I never heard or felt an impact so don't know what happened to it. It was all the same color, an orangey pink. The wings were in two parts like a butterfly and it was naked, skinny, and looked male, although I didn't see any genitalia. The top of the head looked elongated and flat across the top. It all happened in a split second. I haven't told anyone. Nobody in the car was paying attention. We had been out for a long drive. They were all chilling, listening to various tech devices. It wasn't an autumn leaf. It was in the middle of the summer. And leaves don't have bodies and faces and arms and expressions etc. I have seen a skeleton of a fairy on the internet. It looks fake but it is the closest I have seen. Never believed in them. Still don't really. It was weird. It looked like a very wee human with wings. I was going for a drive. I had three kids with me, my daughters and one of their cousins. It was starting to get dark. I decided I wanted to turn around and not go all the way down to the sort yard. So I pulled into a turnaround. I had the car lights on. Just in the bushes on the other side of the road, I noticed some movement. I thought it might have been a deer, so I stopped the car. The first thing I really saw was really bright blue eyes. Then I noticed how far up they were, the thing had to be about 8 to 9 feet tall. The rest of the thing was real dark might have been black or dark brown. My daughter saw the feet. They were huge. When I realized it might be a Bigfoot, I freaked out and tore out of there. I've never been down there after dark again. I rarely go there at all. It didn't move after the initial movement we saw, it just stood there looking at us. I am a 57-year-old husband, father, and grandfather. I'm an experienced hunter though I've slowed down some due to arthritis. I've harvested some 30 moose, 40 deer, 5 elk, and 45 black bears in my life so far. I wanted to try a different strategy. 
I recently acquired a crossbow and my plan was to cruise the highway in hopes of harvesting a moose or an elk on the side of the highway. On September 20, 2019, I headed out Highway 16 East from Prince George, British Columbia around 3 p.m. I was trying to keep my speed down to better scout on the sides of the road. As I went about halfway between Willow River Bridge and Bridge River Bridge, I spun around and slowly made my way back. Unfortunately, a large group of vehicles caught up to me. I had to increase my speed to match the traffic for safety reasons. There were no good pull-off spots. I caught up to another bunch of vehicles. So now I'm stuck between some dozen or so semi-tractor trailers, 4x4s, campers, and cars. I then see fur and movement to the right, just on the other side of the guardrail. I'm looking for moose and elk. I see cork cork colored fur about 5 feet wide, massive shoulders, and 10 inch thick arms. The thing is moving in the same direction that I am, so I have a good view of its massive back arms, and the fur on top of the shoulders is highlighted by the sun. I see blondish hair slash fur in the valley between the top of those shoulders, but no head is visible. I'm thinking WTF is that thing. Remember I'm driving at the same time. I then see a tan leather face, tan like the color of a white-tailed deer. I see the cheekbones, the nose, the chin, and the eyes of this thing. The face has no hair, but blonde color hair is under the chin. I can see this thing has a deep chest at least 40 inches from front to spine. The head does not protrude above the shoulders. This thing's head was not visible from the back. I've never heard of such an attribute. Every graphic I've seen clearly portrays the head visible on top of the shoulders but with no neck. I'm baffled if this was a guy in a suit. The maker is an expert level taxidermist. If it were a suit the guy would have to wear 3 to 4 foot high drywall stilts and walk on a side slope. Now, get this. In front of the hair on its chest, there are several bright white glowing orbs floating about 4 inches away or so. They are grapefruit sized. These transparent looking orbs are the brightest white in their center. WTH? None of this makes sense. I did see it and I do not want to forget it. I do not use drugs or consume alcohol. I've been obsessively looking for answers ever since. This thing was 10 to 12 feet tall. It appeared to be in peak health and possessed a physique that I do not think a human could attain. I would guess it had to be 800 pounds or more. There is no way I'm the only guy to see it. I have so many questions now. I believe as you do these are not gorilla slash ape related. I was sitting watching the water on the bank of a local creek. Suddenly, what I assumed was a dragonfly came around the right side of my head and paused, hovering, directly in front of my eyes, for approximately 5 to 10 seconds, just long enough to see exactly what I was looking at, and it wasn't a dragonfly. It was the exact shape, size, and proportions of a dragonfly, with the very same wings, but it was a tiny woman with pale skin and long brown hair, wearing an ivory silk shift. Perhaps 12 inches from my face, she hovered, looking back at me as intently as I looked at her. Then she flew off, again, 
in the very same manner as a dragonfly. If she hadn't come as close as she did, and paused so long, I'd have mistaken her for just that. I sat there a moment longer in astonishment, then jumped up to run and tell my family what I'd just seen. And, of course, sadly, no one could possibly believe me. I never have and never will care what people think of me. I try to be a decent person but sometimes people just won't let me. I'm in Powell County, Kentucky, and 46 years old. I've had some crazy stuff happen in my life but when I was 17 and in school, I had this 440 Kawasaki street bike that I rode the summer and winter. Well, one night I and my buddy Nathan were out riding sometime after midnight and it was about late November. It was kind of cold for just a jacket and gloves but we were young men so it didn't matter much. We rode up Furnace Mountain Road about 4 to 5 miles up and, like I said, it was after midnight. We came into the outside lane of Inns Curve. There was something bigger than us put together and on the bike. It was bent over something dead. We passed on by it pretty fast too. It was simply huge. Nathan leaned up closer to my head and said, WTF was that? I could tell he was nervous and I was too. I told him that I don't want to know. By this time we're about half a mile past it. I stopped at a little country church and turned around. I told him it looked like a Bigfoot trying to tear something apart and he said he thought the same thing. Being 17 and stupid I guess prompted us to go back by it. So went back by the way we came and as we entered the curve sure enough there it was still bent over whatever it had down on the roadside. I hit the bright on the headlight about it about 75 feet from it and about 2 seconds later the creature stood up and half turned to face us. Right on by it, we went, on the wrong side of the road of course, and both looked at it instead of the road. Well, I nearly went off the edge of the pavement. Nathan was pounding my sides with open hands and did so halfway back down the mountain. When it stood up it was twice as tall as me and him sitting on the motorcycle. I won't tell you that I could see its eyes, but I saw the rest of it really well. It was dark brown or black and had a light tan-colored beard, chest, and abdomen hair, kind of how gray looks on a real hairy human man. It was completely covered in long hair that's for sure, except for what I could see of its face. It looked to have a long head and face, and its arms were long and defined. It had tree trunk thick legs. I'm not going to say I was scared to death, but I was freaked out big time. We went back up that way the next morning to see what kind of animal was laying on the side of the road. What we came across was a very pretty horse laying there with its whole hind torn off of it. The neck was broken and it looked like a truck had hit it by the way its other leg bones all looked. Since that experience, I've been a Sasquatch enthusiast. I've always wanted to have another encounter. This is just a report from a native that said he saw a hairy person about 6 to 7 feet tall, all hairy, casually walking across the dirt road by Skeelik Lake. It looked at him and stopped on the road and appeared surprised. Then it took off into the woods swiftly. He said it was very agile and quick. He was about 275 to 300 yards away. 
There was no snow on the ground yet. He said they looked at each other for a bit and he loaded his single shot shotgun cause he didn't know if it was friendly or not. He was going to run and tell the authorities but he didn't saying that they wouldn't believe him. He was very serious as he was telling the story. I know the man, he is a strong Christian. That was probably about late October or early November. This place is near Sterling, Alaska. The location is full of spruce forest. I've been in there, it's secluded from the main highway and full of forest and lakes and mountains. I've never really told this story before but it's really just been haunting my brain for years now. It happened quite a few years ago during 4th of July in Texas. I was maybe 11 and was just staring outside from my front door. Everything is silent and still, until something down the road catches my eye. Slowly shambling up the hill is a long lanky figure. It was much taller than any person it had long lanky arms that went down a little bit lower than its knees. It had a tall lanky legs but appeared shorter from it being hunched over. For some reason just the sight of it terrified young me. I was always a nervous kid, but I'd never been scared of just seeing people walk by our house at night since it happened pretty often. I honestly just dropped like a sack of potatoes and crouched down behind my front door. When I had finally gotten up the thing was gone. It could have been a drunk guy but we'd never experienced a drunk guy before or after the 10 years I'd lived in that house. My home was near a creek so maybe it came from that? I'm really just throwing out ideas since it's really been rattling my brain for years. The event took place in rural Quebec, Canada in a private home. The owner of the house was a former teacher in that area. She went to do some gardening around the house. It was just after dinner, on a summer's day. Once ready to work the ground with gardening tools, she suddenly saw three small gnomes coming out of the ground, staring at her for maybe a second or two, then running out as fast as they appeared. The event lasts only a few seconds. However, she had time to notice the following details. They measured about 30 centimeters, they more or less look alike, and seemed old with gray faces and gray clothing. She doesn't remember if they had caps or not. But their skin seemed from old age persons. Very agile, they disappear from the fern plantation between her house and the next one. She never saw them again since then. Only her sister and a friend were told about this event. Today that lady is very old but still remembers this adventure. I opened a large wardrobe in my sister's room and inside was another world. There was a green field, tall green plants, and colorful creatures that didn't seem surprised to see me. I saw mostly animals but they were not like our animals, about the size of a rabbit but purple and blue. There was one man climbing on one tall green plant. Faint music like a bell orchestra and nature sounds. I'm not sure if it was a fairy experience. It might be, it was odd and of course, no one has ever believed me. I'll let you decide if you want. Fairies are natural creatures, perhaps more advanced than humans. I have no idea if this is related, 
but I am 40 years old and still appear to be in my early 20s. I also have the agility and energy of a younger person. Good genes, a result of my encounter, or something else, I don't know. There is also a bit of strangeness about my conception. I have often wondered if my parents are entirely my parents. My name is Kevin and I've been hunting in Alaska for 8 years now. I'm used to tracking dangerous animals like bull moose and grizzly bears. One early morning we were observing several large moose tracks in the mud. I saw a track that looked like a Bigfoot track. I looked at my buddy and said what does that look like to you? And he said that's a Bigfoot track. There it was amongst the moose tracks. It was a good 11 inches long and was made from the right foot. I could see all five toes. What struck me most was the size of the big toe. The track appeared to be a couple of days old. I looked around for other tracks, but found none. The thing must have been running. I wanted to go back there and make a plaster cast, but it was raining hard. Two days later I went back there and the track was filled with water and unrecognizable. I saw in the far distance a fallen tree and what was left of it was shaped in a perfect triangle, and it looked like a teepee with an entrance at the front. I made a comment to my sister walking ahead. I asked her if fairies lived there. She laughed and said they certainly could. It would be perfect for fairies, I said. As we got closer, still far off in the distance, a light could be seen at the entrance. A tiny light. My sister did not see it and continued walking the trail as I stopped to take pictures of this. I waited for the spot of light to move but it didn't. So picture after picture I took. It was the most glorious few minutes. I told the fairy thank you for letting me see her. It was a magical moment. An intense spark of light. I had the sense of fairies the moment I walked into the trail through the woods. I would have to ask my sister for the name of it. When I saw the wood structure in the distance. My very first thought was that it would be perfect for fairies. The whole woods was perfect for fairies. The feeling never left me the whole time we walked this trail. I didn't see the fairy house until almost the end and it made the day very special to me. I have always believed in them. Little people have a place in our reality, I believe only those who believe or need to know they exist ever get to see them. I live in Northwest Indiana, Crown Point to be specific, about 30 to 45 minutes away from Chicago. At around 8.30 p.m. on September 17, 2022, I was standing at the front of my garage while talking to my mom, dad, and uncle. I kept hearing this flapping noise but didn't feel too alerted by it until it started getting louder and faster sounding. I actually thought it was our flag out front which is a decently big sized flag, that's what it sounded like, but I realized my mom had taken it down. That's when I stepped outside of the garage to see what it was. It was across the street, above my neighbor's garage, and it looked just as long as this two car garage. I saw it for a split second, it clearly was flying fast and didn't want to be seen but it was loud. I also conveniently live across from a forest. 
I told my family and they laughed it off, saying it must have been a pterodactyl lol. I did notice it looked all white or at least the wings that I saw definitely were. I have also seen owls around here, it was not that though. It was very big. I have been researching what I can since I saw it and a reddit search led me to you. I'm very curious but too scared to venture into the forest alone as a 27 year old woman. This isn't the first time I've seen weird things in the sky. I saw a UFO two times in my life, thankfully with other sober people. But God. This is like nothing I've ever seen before. And although I'm sure it wasn't a prehistoric dinosaur, it probably was close to being as big as one. I really wish I had stepped out earlier to see it actually flying past my house, but from what I was lucky enough to see, it looks very similar to the picture you have on your site, Pterosaur, where I decided to email you after my heart sank seeing how similar it looked to it. Please don't hesitate to reach out. My parents are actually going to be putting up cameras soon because of general safety reasons, but I'm very excited to possibly catch that on camera in the future. I'll definitely keep you updated. This incident happened last night just after 11 PM. My daughter was home alone. She lives with a relative who was out of town. She called me at 11.22 PM, she was terrified. She said she could hear something walking back and forth by her bedroom window. She also said she looked out the window when she first heard it, and saw something big and black, really big. She described the thing to have been about 3 to 4 feet above the bottom of the window. When I went down to look behind the house this morning, I stood by the window. I am 5 feet 4 and my eyes just reached the bottom of the window, so I figured this thing must have been 7 to 8 feet tall. We live in a small village of less than 500 population. There are a lot of bushes and trees in between the houses. Their house is close to the beach, and there is forest surrounding the town. Now, I've never known my daughter too afraid of anything, but like. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Last night when I went to pick her up, she was shaking like a leaf. She was hysterical, it took me almost an hour to calm her down. I questioned her about what happened. She called me about 5 minutes after she first saw it. She was too scared to move. 
When I got down there, I would not look behind the house, but she was hiding in my relative's closet. She said it was walking back and forth right behind the house. She described the footsteps as a sound that someone very large walking on two feet, kind of like a stomping. My daughter is very down to earth, not one prone to dramatics. When I first went down there, I didn't really know what was going on, just that my daughter was scared spitless, but I would not look behind the house. When I went up to the house, my hair felt like it was standing on end, and I had goosebumps really bad. I was scared and didn't know why. I and my cousin were walking down Harris River from the Harris River campground. We were walking about 30 to 45 minutes when my cousin thought he saw something standing in front of us about 100 feet or so away. When he asked me if I could see what it was, I told him I couldn't see because I didn't have any contacts on or glasses. So he told me it was just a stump so I was like okay. Then we went over to where we thought the thing was and in the sand about an inch deep there was a footprint like a man's. In shoe size it looked like it might have been like a size 13 or 15. There were three footprints and about a minute later we ran for about 10 minutes and we started walking and then we got to the road, about a mile away from the picnic area. Where we were having a Mother's Day picnic we started to race each other to the picnic area where our family members were. Then we told them about it and we just kept it to ourselves for some odd reason. We were traveling westbound when the animal was sighted, standing at treeline on slight rise south of eastbound lane of highway. We continued travel westbound several miles and pulled into a rest stop on the south side of the highway. To fix a better location we were approximately 30 to 45 minutes west of Alaskan slash Canadian border, westbound and several miles after seeing animal, we stopped at a rest stop on the south side of the highway. Hope this helps. Also, for what it may be worth, several local natives were having lunch there and we shared what we saw with them. I believe one worked for the state road system as he was driving a state vehicle and another mentioned he was a state-sponsored hunter for rogue bear. The hunter thought I had seen a grizzly, from the coloration, the height and the lack of a neck, he reasoned that the grizzly's hump, when viewed from behind could be mistaken for a head. This is an excerpt from a short story I wrote about this hunting trip for mostly my family. I am 64 years old and have 40 plus years in law enforcement, currently serving as chief of police. With hunting season not to open until the day after next, we were in no hurry and enjoyed the evening with a touch of good single malt Irish talking about our past hunts and the one we were about to have. Lloyd and Davis would not arrive until the first day of the hunt, Presumably because Dave had become domesticate sometime after the previous year's hunt and had to attend a retirement party before being allowed to leave Valdez for camp. With the evening expended and the toll the day had taken on us we were in our sleeping bags and doubtlessly turning logs into sawdust by 2,300 hours. The stove was stoked with fresh firewood and all was good. About 0215 I awoke feeling way too warm, unzipped my bag, slinging the top off, when I heard a resounding crack of wood striking wood, 
similar to a Louisville slugger solidly striking a large, sound birch tree very close to the cabin. There being no one within many miles of us, my attention was immediately focused on the sound. A few seconds later, the sound was repeated, which was to be the pattern for several minutes while I attempted to evaluate it to determine its source. I finally decided to wake Bill saying in just above a whisper, Hey Bill. He stirred responding with something that sounded like what and did not move again for 20 minutes, when he woke up and asked what was going on. In the meantime the commotion stopped when I initially attempted to awaken Bill up and I was sitting on the bunk with my .450 in hand waiting for whatever eventuality might arise. Nearing 3 hours I finally returned to a sound slumber awaking well into the following morning. With a spot of coffee in our gullets and having explained to Bill the events of the previous night we explored the area of the old village, inclusive of the nearby graveyard in an effort to find an explanation. We found numerous paths traversing the grassy area around the cabins with a multitude of bedding sites. Never did we find anything that would provide us with an answer to the question of the source of sounds. Explaining this to another friend after our return, with the experience of spending many years living in numerous villages, he asked me if there was a native graveyard nearby. It is less than 50 yards from the cabin. Nevertheless, I named the source Sassy. Around 6.45 PM on April 23, 2008, as my son and I were coming into the US from Canada. We were traveling west about 14 miles on the US side of the US-Canada border on the Alcon Highway. My son was driving. If you've ever driven that road, then you know how the pavement has huge dips in it, I suspect from the freezing and thawing of the foundation of soil under the pavement. Anyway, my son was watching directly in front of the car to make sure we took the smoothest path around some upcoming heaves in the pavement. I was watching further down the highway as I had done our entire trip from Lethbridge, Ab. My hope was to catch a glimpse of a bear, moose or some awesome wildlife or some kind. Anyway, we were on a slight descent down a hill, making a slight left corner and about to start up the other side when I saw what I thought was a human crossing the road, May three-tenths of a mile ahead of us and up then slight incline. He was a tall, odd-looking fellow and I joked to myself when I first saw him. Well, there is Sasquatch up the road, fully expecting to see that a person had crossed from a house or something on the left-hand side of the road over to another house or something on the right-hand side. When we got to the point where the structure should have been, there was nothing. I mean nothing. And no sign of any human, animal or anything else on the right-hand side of the road in the woods. This thing was walking upright like a man, long arms and what looked like a long neck from the side. It had a fairly long gape in his walk. Arms swinging with each stride. It was all one color. I described it to my wife as the color of a Carhartt rust slash brown full coveralls. I called her first thing when we got cell coverage and talk. She got on the web and saw where this was not the first time a sighting happened in this very same area. I was so glad that someone else had seen it. I hate to say it, but he looked similar to the representations on TV and pictures. By the way, I have always thought this whole thing was a bunch of nonsense. 
If nothing else, someone was wearing a suit to make them look like the Sasquatch character. Ed L. was salmon fishing with a companion in Prince William Sound. After anchoring offshore, his companion took a small boat up a river to check on the state of the salmon run. As the day wore on toward evening and he didn't come back at the expected time, Ed scanned upriver and across the adjacent land with binoculars. There he saw a Sasquatch walking across the tundra, with long, smooth steps and with dark hair flowing from its shoulders, bouncing behind like a cape at every step. The Sasquatch paid no attention to the boat, distance about 1,000. I live in Phelps, Wisconsin about 8 miles from Michigan's Upper Peninsula, and near the location of the Paulding Light Phenomenon. In the early fall of 2018, I turned from Highway 17 onto St. Louis Road as I came around the corner what looked like a giant wolf the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. He was chasing something and leapt over the entire width of the road in one stride. But the thing that was weird about it was obviously the size of this creature but the way he was moving, it's hard to explain. It was robotic, or animated that's the closest I can get to explaining it. But it gave me the chills bad, and I can't get it out of my head. I've seen plenty of wolves and they're big here but this thing was huge. And the way it moved, it was just freaky. I've never seen it again and when I have to drive down that road I get scared. The creepy feeling comes over me. Currently watching this TV show talk about creatures like skinwalkers and other cryptids and am reminded of these strange occurrences growing up. This happened for years but I never figured out what it could have been or why I felt this way. Background, I grew up in a small town in Arkansas. We used to visit my uncle who lived 30 to 45 minutes from our place. He lived with other family members on roughly 60 plus acres and down a barely paved road that would turn into endless potholes upon approaching the gate to his driveway. It was really in bum f nowhere with very few neighbors around. Not sure if this matters but I grew up Catholic, I'm agnostic now but never felt or believed in Catholicism, and my family has always been very superstitious, more so with angels, demons and ghosts versus creatures. Okay, back to my memories. We would frequent often. And it didn't matter what time of day it was because as soon as we reached the section of road that turns into jagged potholes it would start. This stretch of road always took the longest since you had to drive so slow and rows of trees leading to forest areas line this road. It was during this time I would always feel the need to move to the middle seat, I always sat in back, and slumped down. Our car was an old station wagon that had lots of visibility. I felt like I was in a glass house. It was a sickening feeling that would wash over me, the feeling you get when you're being watched. And I think we were. I never saw an actual creature per se but I would frequently see branches move and shift as if they were popping up from someone hopping off them or forcefully moving them but nothing was there. We had coyotes, raccoons, goats, stray dogs, Standard wildlife you can think of but I never saw anything. Ever. One night, we are inching our way to his house. 
I get the feeling again and am scared. I'm probably early teen or preteen years. I got the notion that I should turn and look into the tree line. There as I stared, I saw two yellow or reflective eyes staring back at me, maybe six to eight feet above the ground amongst the trees. After what felt like hours of not blinking, I held its gaze as it sidestepped out of sight behind a tree. The figure was hard to make out, but its dark shadow-like appearance it casted, made it seem broad and awkward, too unnatural to be human. I slumped lower but no one believed me. From then on I frequently would see this thing and sometimes what seemed like more than one with similar behavior when we drove by. It felt like it was stalking us sometimes, following the car up the road. If I felt brave and looked back I saw a dark figure sometimes upright on two feet but sometimes down on all four shuffle across the road. Sometimes it would get close to the car. I looked back once and saw the tail lights reflect and dim as something just below the back windshield moved past it. There was a thud against the car or occasional rock thrown, often not hard and had a different sound like it was purposefully thrown versus gravel getting kicked up. Only once did a rock come from the darkness ahead of us and crack the windshield, my mom popped on the high beams but there wasn't anything there just movement in the trees. Her reflexes were very fast turning on that light so I don't think a local teen or neighbor was playing a stupid prank and would have time to dart out of the way as they would land on barbed wire that also was on both sides of that road. I hated when I got older and was sent to out of the car to be the one who opens the gate. That was when I felt close to maybe being attacked. Once we got to the house though, I felt safe, my uncle was a former vet and avid historian and gun collector. He wasn't superstitious but he was the only one who would hear me out. His property was fenced off, one fence around the house itself with a decent spanning backyard and then fenced again around that for goats and cows he raised. I never liked going outside at night because I felt eyes on me and it was always eerily too quiet. It made you feel like you would never be happy or sleep again. No bugs humming, just silence with the occasional bee or moo. Sometimes weird booms or snaps happened and we would investigate it and the scenes looked like a bear or something came through there, but there aren't bears in the area and sometimes large branches were founded broken or snapped and in unnatural positions or far from their tree. I've no clue what these things could have been, no Indian burial grounds, landlocked, no lakes or mountains though heavily rocky terrain. Maybe some rumored Indian settlements in the past but not sure. I haven't been back in years. My name is Nate and I had an encounter with Sasquatch that I would like to share with you. It's very short and sweet but nevertheless, it's my encounter. So I'll begin with the year. It was 2012 and the month was early August. I was 17 years old at the time. Two years leading up to this I would take a trip from Pennsylvania to Connecticut to visit my aunt and uncle for a week. Every time I'd visit my uncle and I would pick a day to go fishing at a nearby lake called Hall's Pond, in Natchaug State Forest. We always had awesome luck fishing catching all sorts of largemouth bass and pickerels. Nothing out of the usual ever happened though. Well, the time I visited in 2012 something strange did happen. 
We were fishing for my uncle's boat all day at Hall's Pond like we do every year. Towards the end of the day around 7 p.m., we were fishing one of the last shorelines before we called it quits. The entire length of the shoreline that we fished we kept hearing something in the woods walking parallel to us. It was out of sight we just assumed it was a squirrel or a bird making noise in the leaves. We kept fishing and eventually came to a small cove-like area on the land and continued hearing it. I looked up and behind a tree in front of our boat was something dark black but I couldn't quite make out exactly what it was. I yelled to my uncle, hey look that's what's making the noise, and pointed towards it. The second I pointed the black figure ran from behind the trees on two legs right along the shoreline in plain sight. It was running on two legs with black hair roughly four inches long. I never got a good look at his face, but its arms and shoulders really stood out to me. It had long arms that reached below its knees and massive shoulder muscles almost as round as basketballs. It ran so smoothly it almost looked like it was floating through the air. No head bobbing at all when it ran. It ran right in front of us for about five solid seconds until it disappeared into the deeper forest. The second we couldn't see it anymore we noticed that we couldn't hear it making any more noises in the woods. No leaves or sticks breaking. My uncle and I both knew exactly what we saw. I asked my uncle to go to shore for me to investigate a little bit but my uncle was genuinely scared and refused. He insisted that we go back to the boat ramp and head home. After we loaded the boat up and headed back to his place he said to me in the truck how he was so happy that I was there to witness that with him. He would go night fishing out there and he said he had rocks thrown at him while he was on the lake and he would hear weird vocalizations. He believes that there really was a Sasquatch out there and the sighting in broad daylight that we shared together just put the icing on the cake. We never saw anything else after that encounter but we will never forget that day. I was recently told by a friend that you investigate strange canine sightings in Pennsylvania. I live in the northeastern part of the state, in rural Monroe County in the Poconos. I have a bipedal wolf account. This occurred on September 3, 1975. I now own the property and still live there. My father and I were traveling in our family station wagon on a dirt road on our property. When we first saw this creature it had come out of heavy woods and crossed the road while on all fours. We stopped the car and watched it. When it reached the north boundary of our field it stood up on its hind legs. It tried to hide between two mulberry trees. Its head touched a branch that was approximately 12 feet off the ground. My father would later measure its height. It then ran south, dropping down on all fours. It was running at an unbelievable speed. It covered 100 plus yards and ran out of the southern boundary of our field into the road directly in front of us. From its nose to the tip of its tail it covered the county road from shoulder to shoulder approximately 18 feet. Its left shoulder was about one foot above the center of the hood of our car. When measured it was three feet off the ground putting its left shoulder at approximately four feet tall. As it ran in front of us crossing the road it turned its head toward us and snarled showing all of its teeth including the canines that were at least six inches long. It had huge amber eyes and just looked plain evil. 
The neighbor who owned the woods where the creature had come out of had about 12 guard dogs. He lived alone, we called him Mr. Hermit, and owned about 100 acres which included several long retired slate quarry holes that were all filled with clear blue water and huge fish. The woods were also full of deer. By the way, our newly built home was about 50 yards west of where it ran south across the road. A few nights after this incident, at about 1 a.m. in the morning, all hell broke loose. We could hear the neighbor's guard dogs fighting, madly yelping, and being slaughtered. Mr. Hermit opened up with a 12-gauge and kept firing. We would find out later that nine of his 12 guard dogs were killed. Our area was under Pennsylvania State Police jurisdiction, there was no local sheriff or police force. Several troopers showed up that night. Then at daybreak, a tactical team arrived in a helicopter, which landed in our field. My father worked the third shift at the time, at Ingersoll Rand, and was just getting home. My father immediately walked up to Mr. Hermit's property. He crossed our field and then directly up his driveway. The state police refused to let him go any further. My mother was so scared of the ordeal that we had heard the previous night, so she decided to keep us home from school. Shortly after I saw my father disappear up Mr. Hermit's driveway, small arms fire erupted. We're all looking out our kitchen window in anticipation of the results. The state police helicopter took off and hovered over Mr. Hermit's property. It then dipped very low and then lifted something huge wrapped in a tarp with a cargo net around it. My father soon returned and told us that the state police told him that he was to forget about what we saw. The barracks commander stopped in on his way out to reinforce this. We pestered my father to tell us what it was they shot and killed. This was the only time I had ever seen fear in his eyes. All he said was that he saw them shoot and kill an extremely large wolf. He never spoke of the incident again, nor would he acknowledge my inquiries about it. I eavesdropped on him and my mother talking about it after we kids were supposed to be asleep. He said there were nine dead guard dogs and that 12-gauge shotgun shells were everywhere. By the next night, there was a loaded 12-gauge shotgun at every entrance door with double-odd buckshot. My mom had a new handgun at the ready. My father got off the night shift very soon after this incident. There have been no other incidences with bipedal wolves in our area. I live in Pennsylvania and my friend and I went to a nature preserve at around midnight because it's fun to be creeped out, classic white people in horror movie stuff. The woods we were in goes on for 5 miles and we made it about 6 minutes into the woods when we came to the first fork in the road. Now this isn't our first time in these woods at late hours and whenever I am there I do get a bit paranoid and my mind plays tricks on me like seeing things at the corner of my eye and stuff. But this time I saw it in front of us and all I saw was red reflective eyes and I thought it was my mind messing with me so I wasn't going to say anything to my friend but then he said to me hey do you see that? And I cut him off telling him I did see it and there was an immediate oh shit moment. We stood there thinking of what we should do as its eyes reflected off the lantern we brought we saw it slightly moving confirming that it was a very much alive creature and not a sign or something. 
We tried to back up a bit and then it turned its head so we couldn't see where it was anymore so we did a very quick jog back towards the exit of the park and about 3 minutes later my friend stops me and is staring at a tree behind us. I take a look and it looked around 6 or 7 feet tall, it was on its hind legs, had an arm wrapped around the tree and was peeking over at us with a human-like head but we couldn't make out any facial features. A branch broke and we ran further up we were almost out then right next to me the bush rustles I scream and we do a full on sprint back to the car and we get the F out of there. On the night of July 8th to 9, 1996, police platoon leader Marion Mankiw and volunteer guard Maricel Rusu were making their rounds through the village of Sertesti, Galazzi County, Romania. Around 0.30, getting hungry, platoon leader Mankiw wanted to stop at home to eat something. His home was in a block with one floor, located on the other side of the paved road in front of the police station. The entrance to the block was through the back. The policeman was going to be absent for 10 minutes at most, meanwhile, the Russian guard was going to wait for him in the street. The platoon leader barely passed the corner of the block when he heard a strange whine and felt a strong current of air. He turned around and saw something on the road that sparked blue-reddish colored lights and made a vum-vum. At first, he thought it was the traffic light from the car of a police crew from Galazzi, who came to check. Approaching, he saw that the object was a UFO, floating above the road, and next to him was moving a little man with an unusual appearance. He shouted guard. In response, Rusu, who, in the meantime, had hidden, out of fear, in the ditch on the side of the road, half buried under a footbridge, two or three meters from the object, raised his head saying, Mr. Marion, Satan. The guard Maricel Rusu declared that as soon as the platoon leader headed towards his house, located around the corner, a noise from above appeared. He was leaning against the fence, so he did not see the appearance of the object very well. At first, he thought that the neon from the street lighting was defective. He said to himself that maybe the wind is blowing him. The object descended slowly, without noise, full, full, full. When he saw the lights, the guard thought to himself that it was a police crew coming to control or something like that and that he would have someone to talk to until morning. He only got scared when he saw that the object didn't come close to the ground, he said to himself that this is not a good thing and when three humanoids appeared, he hid in the ditch. According to his own statements when I saw how they were, when I saw their state of ugliness, I said to myself that these are not ours. Then I got scared and went down into the ditch. 2. Hide as if somehow. That I have never seen, something like this, in my life. The object, according to the concordant descriptions of the two, was discoidal and had a diameter of about 5 to 6 meters and a height of about 2 to 2.5 meters. A drawing depicts him as somewhat shaped like a hat. The UFO was hovering about half a meter above the road and swaying slightly. It had, all around, a continuous luminous belt, like a rainbow with white, red, blue, or green in other statements lights that flickered. The lights were not seen rotating, but they were erased like this. And passing into each other, from green started red. 
Below the object was a strong, white light. Neither of the two saw that the ship had doors or windows. Before the pilot left the corner of the block, the UFO took off perpendicularly, went up once, at which point its lights became much brighter, and then took off at a very high speed, to the northwest, towards the village of Pochidia. According to Maricel Rusu, it disappeared with a big storm, it went in a direction that I didn't even realize. That it was for a short time. The neon lantern that provides street lighting went out at the moment of takeoff, but recovered by itself, without anyone's intervention, in about half a minute. The humanoid creatures were seen better by the Russian guard. Platooner Mankyu saw only one, and the one from the back. Their height was estimated at about one meter, maybe less, but possibly even higher, like a six-year-old child. The Russian watchman says that the creatures were swirling around the ship, chattering and babbling unintelligibly, like rain in a downpour. They had, according to the concordant descriptions of the two witnesses, an unfulfilled appearance. They were completely hairless, although in another statement the guard described them as hairy, but it seems he only wanted to emphasize how ugly they were. They had a big head, elongated towards the back and a kind of mushroom bumps on the crest. They had large, flappy ears, not pointed, as big as a man's palm. Their faces were white, their eyes large, but none of the witnesses noticed what their noses or mouth looked like. The body was covered in metallic gray scales, their clothes, as if they were clothes or whatever, were. Like fish scales, so they shone. The Russian witness declares that he did not see whether the little men were wearing shoes or not. Their abdomens were relatively large and flabby. The arms were extremely thin as much as two fingers according to policeman Mankiw, and according to Rusu the hands were crazy sir, I can't even figure it out. They weren't normal like us. The witnesses cannot specify whether the facts were walking or floating above the ground, leaning towards this second option despite the low verisimilitude. As Maricel Rusu says I can't even figure out how they were walking. They seemed to be drunk. There were no traces left on the ground. A huge cherry tree located in that place had withered, dehydrated leaves on about 15% of the crown, on the side where the object is said to have landed and then taken off. The phenomenon could be the effect of microwaves. It is said that the next morning leaves, branches, and broken fruits were seen on the ground. But there is also a villager who claims that he broke them. It is also said that there were other traces, seen by the villagers, but erased by the torrential rain the next day. No determinations of radioactivity or other measurements of this type were made. Platooner Mankiw stated that, after the disappearance of the object, I stayed for a few seconds. The man was at the edge of the ditch, I took him, I came here, I didn't know where to take him. He said he was sorry. I went there on the grass, where is that traffic sign? Then he asked me, Dom Marion, have you seen Satan? Returning after the incident, the two witnesses decided to continue their patrol. The next day, Marion Mankiw told the story of some villagers. One of them contacted the media agency Medifax and from here the case reached the press. At first, Mankiw politely refused to give an interview to journalists, until he obtained the approval of his bosses in Galatsi.
On August 12, 1996, Dan Farkash spoke with the witnesses, being invited to Certesty by TVR, through the filmmaker Mihai Badescu, together with Kalen Turku. He remained convinced, on this occasion, of the credibility of the witnesses. Police platoon leader Marion Mankiw, then 30 years old, was a veterinary technician, then he graduated from the School of Non-Commissioned Officers, he was married with two children. Most of the villagers, including the mayor Georgi Nekaifor, considered him a serious person, with laudable concerns. Guard Maricel Rusu, 41 years old, had graduated from six classes, he read with difficulty and only the sensational news from the newspapers. He had never heard anything about the UFO phenomenon before. He did not suffer from mental illness, made the army a genius. The villagers did not remember being lied to. It is unlikely that the witnesses could have invented all the very specific details and presented them in such a natural and convincing manner, nor were they set up by someone else to do so. Place of Appeals Although not everyone in the village believed the witnesses, we found that most of the appellants were persons, or relatives of persons, to whom the police had previously issued documents for various contraventions. Instead, there were concordant testimonies, such as disturbances in the electrical equipment in the area. Unfortunately, we did not have time to verify these statements in detail. Also, in the village of Kotoroaya, located about 4 kilometers northeast of Certesti, on the same night, a very strong light was reported above a house. The incident at Certesti, therefore, has enough elements to be qualified as a third-degree encounter. But we can ask ourselves a justified question, wasn't it even more? For example, a UFO abduction? A first argument could be the fact that in the days following the incident, platoon leader Mankiw felt weak and in no mood, he declared that he was afraid of being irradiated. The Russian guard had a nightmare. He declares that about two nights ago I dreamed of them. I dreamed as I was standing in the trench, after which he woke up frightened from his sleep. He added, I wasn't scared if I didn't see them so ugly. Yes, in the way I saw them. I was scared. I tried to find out if the two were aware of any time gap.